Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. ACAST anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts, der forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 17 in our eight-week series, My Week in Cars, with Matt Pryor, that's me, and Steve Cropley, that's him. Hello, Steve. Hello, Matthew. Happy New Year. Thank you very much. Looking forward to 2023, mate, already. Did you have uh, a reasonable time? Yeah, it? nice, mate. Yeah, very relaxing, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, a bit of work on the bike, a bit of work on the cars, not as much as I'd like to, but, you know, standard. Yeah. Standard. Um, so, uh, how about you, mate? Well, a bit of driving, that was the thing. Oh. I had the Alpine out a bit, it was mm. good. Excellent. Well, over the next half an hour or so, Steve and I are going to be talking about our respective autocar columns from the 4th of January 2023 uh, issue. Um, and Steve, let's start with uh, some electric vehicle acceleration you chatted about in your column. Something to do with the Hummer, which has now become the Hummer, which is that big old military-inspired brand that disappeared for a bit and has come back in electric form. Yeah, its main uh, distinguishing feature was the fact that it was a truck and a half wide, wasn't it? Yeah. But the thing that I was suddenly taken with was a, um, a bit of an observation that came from America, actually, about how the um, latest Hummer has got a 0-60 time, which is um, more or less equal to a Ferrari um, F8, sort of... Um, So three and a half to 60, and that seemed like a lot for a thing which is a bouncing barge and not particularly good on grip or steering or braking or... Because they are three and a half tons or something, aren't they? Must be. Yeah. Got to be. Yeah. I think I've, I think I've seen a, a, a short video of one accelerating on a street somewhere, an American street somewhere, and then the driver obviously realising that he's going pretty, pretty quickly and there's a queue of traffic and a set of lights ahead and you suddenly think, oh my goodness, this is this is a terrifying amount of metal to be moving that quickly. Did it stop? Yeah, it did stop, but it, you know, it's, it's sort of screeched to an emergency halt. They have and you pretty just, you know, drastic nosedive, don't they? No, yeah. And, yeah. yeah, it just looked, yeah, it just looked really, 
Yeah, it looked looked really perilous, and I'm a bit worried about that. Well, the central point was just that um, manufacturers find acceleration as a a very good tool for for selling. Mm. So they give these electric cars a huge performance, and maybe it's too much for the the judgment of the people driving them Mm. if they're not used to driving cars of that potential. And it it is a thing that strikes me. And, uh, um, you know, I don't, I hate to, to sound like too much like a, a, a sort of Sunday school teacher, but, but um, and the other thing is something that you and I have touched on. There, there's, there seems to be something about the body, or at least my body, which when you get down to about a four second 0 to 60 time, you think a car is, is very enjoyably powerful. <laughs> and when you go below that, you start to do yourself and your neck and your, yeah. And, you, and the insides of your head, physical damage. Mm. Yeah. And I think you, you would have experienced this more than me. Yeah, I think so. I think probably in some of the very fastest EVs that it's just a, an unnaturally uncomfortable feeling, isn't it? And it's not punctuated by gear shifts and it's not accompanied by lots of noise. And it's just movement in a way that is you know, beyond gravity's pull, I think. You probably accelerate quicker than a G. Yeah. I, would, I would think, I don't know, I have to work it out actually, but I, I would think you're, you know, it's it's probably above and beyond that. So it's, in a way, it's the, it's the most accelerative we would have ever felt, you know, more accelerative than falling. Yeah. And then that's, yeah, it's weird. It's just, it's strange and unnerving. The story that, that I saw um, made the point that you get full talk within 0.1 of a second. Wow. So um, you don't, it's not as if you get warning or noise warning mm. or... As you say, punctuation, and so it's, it's just a bit. It's a. It's become a bit scary, and I, mm. I'm sort of. Well, put it this way, I'm not sure that I would want to pay for anything less than, anything that goes much quicker than about four and a half to no, sixty. I'm, I think I'm with you, and also I do wonder because at the moment we tax, all EVs as the same. We consider them all the same, regardless of their efficiency. So you can make them as quick as you like, they can be as powerful as you want, they can they can be as large as you like. And it doesn't actually matter on the tax front because you just pay whatever it is, you know, the road tax is, is little. I wonder at what point weight and relative efficiency starts to become the conversation that I suspect it will have to eventually become. Because although these things are zero emissions at the tailpipe, you know, you've still got to generate electricity somehow and not all of it is uh not all of it is renewable so far, and even if it is all renewable, you still, you know, you still takes resources to generate power, doesn't it? And there's, yeah. there's surely at some point is a limit where somebody will say, actually, you know what, a three and a half ton Hummer or whatever it is, three ton Hummer SUV, maybe it's more than that. I can't remember, but you know, maybe with whatever they have, a thousand plus horsepower, actually, maybe that should cost you more to run. Than must certainly in take a, a bit Zoe. of yeah, knock the <laughs> indeed, yeah, it must. Um, Knock the the road surface around too, mustn't it? You know that. Yeah, yeah. So I think, um, I mean, the trouble with these sorts of discussions is that you, 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 um, you, you are in danger of falling into. You know, this shouldn't be allowed, and that shouldn't be allowed. Mm-hmm. But but it's just for me. It's just that that thing of business of I, I have noticed in my own physique. Um, uh, you know, a kind of cutoff where something quicker than about four seconds, not to sixty, makes me feel uncomfortable, mm. and deeply uncomfortable in the passenger seat because you don't get any warning. Yeah, yeah, and you're not in control. No. And I think we've talked about this. Neither of us is a brilliant passenger. No. Anyway, are we? Do you think uh, what's the f- 
fastest acceleration you think you've experienced? Oh, uh, I think Bugatti probably. Mm. Um, probably sometime this year. And uh, I went up the hill with a hero driver in a Bugatti, a fast Bugatti, black and orange Bugatti. The new, um, the new one, or yeah. the the Chiron. Chiron. Yeah. And it was, the thing is, the traction. You you don't expect the traction because you. You're used to wheel spin in your own driving, and this thing, of course, just grips the road, and so it hurls you down the road. Yeah, yeah. And I reckon it's, you know, it can't be more than, well, it must be well under four, nought to 60. Uh, I think they're two something, aren't they? I think. And it depends on the tyre temperature. I spent a bit of time with Andy Wallace earlier this year, driving that Chiron, actually, the a quick one. And he said, as long as the tyres are over, I think I'm going to say, as long as they're over 30 degrees centigrade. I might be wrong about that, but I can't quite remember. He said it will accept 100% acceleration, and in a, in a straight line, as long as it's more, you know, as long as the tyres are over that. That's the extraordinary thing. It will take that much. Power. What a fabulous bloke he is! He's fantastic, isn't he? He's yeah. absolutely fantastic, and he drives. He lives near me. He lives near Buckingham, and he drives out to the Molsheim factory in France in his Volkswagen ID3, and because he's an endurance racer by uh, original profession, and now Bugatti test driver and. Uh, well, quite often he sits next to potential customers as yeah. well, which I don't envy him that. But he heads out on his Volkswagen, and I think he's said he's got it down to a, the fine art of, of being stationary for, some. I want to say, less than half an hour to 45 minutes on the on his journey from Buckingham, where it's fully charged, to Molsheim, which is in Alsace. So it's quite a long way through France. And I yeah. think, I can't, I'm going to get it wrong, but he did say it's something like, you know, he's got it down to... 45 minutes of being stationary, which is good. You could really imagine good him going. being good at the pit stops. Totally, you? yeah. I mean, you know, the art of endurance racing is keeping going. You don't, you know, they spend as little time possible stationary. Well, I love the so way the he, he just, he's kind of chats to you like, well, he's your neighbour, like, like, yeah. like, uh, like you know him. And he, and yeah. he, you know, he's done all these amazing distinguished things and, and yet he, you know, he'll, he'll sort of chat to you about what it's like sitting next to the punters. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. very, very funny stories. He was he said he sit next to sit next to one who was a dismal driver, and he said, "That's it. We're going. You've got, you've got to get out. I can't sit here anymore." And he drove back, and he shut the door, and he walked away, and he turned around and went back and opened the door again, and pointed to the bloke and went, "You are going to buy one of these, and you are going to kill yourself." <laughs> and you just, I, I, there is not enough money in the world to make me want to be a passenger to. No. I mean, I don't know how race instructors do it. It terrifies no. me. Well, back in my dim and dark history, I used to go to Italy fast car factories, and there were a couple of, there was a father and son, both called Bertocchi, and they were both, I think they were involved in the De Tommaso business, and Maserati De Tommaso, and mm. they both were killed by, in accidents where, you know, potential buyers were driving, oh, really? one, you know, one 30 years after the other. It's terrible. Isn't it? Yeah. I have had race instructors say they can tell what somebody's going to be like before they sit in the car. Really? The way they walk up the pit lane, the way they walk, put a helmet on, the way they get in and the driving position they adopt, and they just go, be a okay. nice story that, wouldn't it? Yeah, interesting that I think. Yeah, yeah, we should we should ask one of the maybe up at Palmer Sport or something like that. We should yeah. go up to Bedford and spend some time with her. Yeah, I reckon. The trouble is, you've got to get them off message. That's yeah. the key, isn't it? That's the key. You've got That's to get true. to say, yeah, no, I had this bloke and he was a complete. Sounds <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Let's. Um, move on from EV acceleration, which we kind of have. Well, our driving stands is next up in your column anyway, because um, it snowed a bit, didn't it, in December? Yeah. And you've been driving around in the Dacia. The Duster. Yeah. yeah the, uh, as 
people may well know, I bought my former long-termer Duster 4x4 diesel to be to take over from my Berlingo as the household, you know, do everything car. And mm. as it happens, the steering committee and I were out just driving around a bit, having gone for a cup of coffee, as we do, and and uh, coming back along the Foss Way, sudden snowfall happened to hit a place where there are some very long hills and very steep slopes, down slopes. And, and we came over the brow and suddenly there were all these cars sliding sideways down the hill and one bloke had already gone off the road into a tree in his Audi and there, um, and there were people inching up the other side because they had no or insufficient traction. Hmm. And it was mayhem. And luckily there were one or two people in Land Rovers where they were already um, doing their stuff to try and unblock the road and we didn't think we could contribute very much except um, remove ourselves from the scene of the accident so I just went click click on the central dusters central four-wheel drive control it's wearing very nice Goodyear all-weather tires anyway and we just drove home mm. and it was I don't reckon we encountered one one full revolution of wheel spin in the entire journey that's pretty good isn't it it's, it is so it's not winter tires it's all season Tires, is it? It's interesting, that isn't it? I think when we talk uh, every now and again when it snows, the winter tire conversation crops up. Yeah, less so than it used to because it doesn't seem to get as cold in winter as it once no. did, maybe. But I think an all-season tire is just depending on where you live, it saves you having to swap tires over in the winter. And all you want really is something that will definitely get you home. If conditions are poor, isn't yeah. it? That's the that's the short of it. You know, I you was don't want so to get stuck. Impressed. I've yeah. never had a car on these before, mm. and it was. Oh, it just isn't. They're not noisy. They're, they're, it's just great. It's mm. really good. Yeah, I'm so impressed. Yeah, and I, I funnily enough, I spent a bit of time in a Berlingo uh, in December too, because Max Edelston, our photographer, has a van, which he swapped with me. He borrowed a. Volkswagen multivan that I've got because he went on went on tour with some musicians in the multivan, so oh, he wow. went in a Volkswagen camper. But anyway, I spent a very very happy two weeks in his Berlingo van. I just think it's a terrific thing, really pleasant to drive, low to the ground for you know by the standards of these things. Visibility is not too bad, a bit restricted by being a van rather than the wagon. But I thought it was great. But it was just really enjoyable really yeah I, I even like the powertrain in that thing mm. i had a go in it myself yeah and it's um it's all right no yeah it's great yeah nothing nothing wrong. long range and then the first thing i did is have to go and buy a load of uh animal feed in it so i threw a couple of hay bales and a big 20 kilo sacks of food in the back and then get it home and think well all right all i've got to do is run a brush over it and it's back to how it was and yeah. i just yeah maybe i need a van in my life that's what i'm starting to decide one of my sons has got a van, wouldn't mm. have anything else. Really? His is, he's had a Doblo, he's about to buy another Doblo. Mm. And people treat you quite nicely on the road, I think, in a way that they... I don't know if you noticed this, but if you're in a small, cheap car and you're on the outside lane of a motorway passing something, somebody in an Audi will come right up behind you to shoo you out the way in a way that they won't do if you're in, say, a 7 Series BMW or whatever. Yeah. And in a van, people, I think, treat you reasonably respectfully because they think well professional driver on the on the go might be a big burly bloke who's quite yeah. scary anyway i'll leave him alone and i yeah i find it a very relaxing way to travel yeah that's yeah. a that's isn't that an interesting thread that would the what what you drive says about you mm. it, it or, or what people the assumptions people make about you 
according to what you drive. It's yeah. a whole subject that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I probably do it as well. I mean, I probably think to myself, you know, when you pull up behind somebody at a junction and there's or a set of traffic lights and there's a new BMW 3 Series in one lane and there's a 15-year-old Toyota Yaris in the other, well, I'm, I'm going to go behind the 3 Series, aren't I? Because it's going to get away faster, shortly. Well, we've already done it with us. We've already... Done it with a Citroën Zara. Zara Picasso. Yeah, I've got more letters about yeah. that. We'll come back to that next week, I think. We'll, Citroën we'll Picasso. Get, that's do some Picasso. Um, yeah, but also, okay, let's move on to the Nissan Qashqai, because that was described... I saw this headline as well, and I thought it was a bit harsh. The headline in the Times that said, the car for people who don't like cars. Is that what it said? I, it did say that. I, I think that that's, um, that's just unfair. I mean, mm. it isn't... Uh, it's not going to... Set your trousers on fire, is it? Uh, um, but I borrowed one for for the project in the magazine, and and uh, in fact the, the the thing we did about British car manufacturers. Mm. And I had the new range extender, and I thought it was nice. Yeah. It was it was a very calm, refined, quiet, well set up car, nicely made, well equipped, comfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't see there's anything wrong you know just because you like cars doesn't mean you can't like such things i mean they're they're fairly um low-key things but it's fine to relaxation's great yeah and also a lot of people who don't like cars do own cars and although they profess to not want or like cars when people say oh i just want to get a car that gets me from a to b well, they don't really, do they? It's like saying you want a fridge that keeps your food cold. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, but you also want something that keeps your salad crisp and you want somebody to put your eggs and you want a little light that comes in when the door opens. That's it. So you want quite a lot more than that, really. That's know? it. And, and, and I think people want that from cars and the cash guy is that sort of car. It fits into people's lives without them thinking too much about it. Maybe. Yeah. I, I, your analogy about the fridge, I always think of the, the you know, I'm going to buy a new mattress for my bed, but I don't care if it's comfortable or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who would ever? Yeah, who would ever say that? And the cash guy, the well, the best. The far, how many do they sell? It's an inordinate number, isn't it? How many do they make in Sunderland? Do they do they make more cars in? Somebody told me make more cars in Sunderland than Italy makes in total. So, yeah, I think it, I thought it was you know half a million that mm, sort of territory. Yeah, I, I wish I knew more about it, but it, but it's a very successful car and a big export car, and you mm. know. Deserves a success. Yeah. Right, we're going to take a quick uh, advertising break. Steve and I will be back with My Week in Cars right after this. And in the meantime, don't forget you can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com. We will be back with more correspondence next week. But for now, we'll take a short commercial break. Be back in two seconds. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to My Week in Cars with Matt Pryor and Steve Cropley. Uh, Steve, we're talking about the 4th of January issue columns of ours. Uh, can I talk about one of mine? Yeah. So there's two pieces in my column this week. And the first one I think I want to talk about is uh, in December, um, Anne Sekoulis, uh, who admitted a charge of death by careless driving, was uh, sentenced um, to eight months, suspended sentence, suspended for 12 months. She is um, the American who uh, left RAF Crowton, which is a, a sort of US listening post in Northamptonshire. Um, and drove on the wrong side of the road inadvertently for about 30 seconds, which was long enough for her to run into a local lad called Harry Dunn, who was riding his motorbike. And um, he died later that night in, in hospital. And originally she stayed at the scene and, um, and helped out, and then she was advised that she should leave the country and claim diplomatic immunity because she was the wife of a CIA agent. And there was a, a waiver for diplomatic immunity on serious criminal charges, but when it was set up, it didn't extend to the families, and the US used that for her to be able to claim it and, and leave. And, her, and Harry's family have basically spent the last three and a half years fighting for justice for Harry. You know, Harry's mum, Charlotte, uh, couldn't see him before he died because he was too badly injured, but when she did see him, she said, you know, we will, we will hold somebody accountable for this. And in December, they finally they finally managed it, and uh, Anne Sekoulis appeared uh, by video link rather than in person, which gives the judge. And the Americans were not going to let her come back. Is the is the short of it, you know? But then you know that gives the the judge a, a, a difficult decision of what sentence to make out. Because if you give somebody a custodial sentence, well, they're not going to be here to serve it. If you give them a community sentence, well, there's no way of making sure she'll serve it. But they did. Uh, so she's. She was given an eight-month suspended sentence, suspended for 12 months, and I have nothing but admiration for the family who have you know, been really through the mill trying to get this to happen. Yeah, um, I've read a fair amount of this myself. Yeah. They even went to see President Trump, didn't yeah. they, and so on. I, it was, um, it was a, I still think it's shameful for somebody who, who did that not to come back. I, mm. I, I, I find it difficult to believe that she was prevented from coming back. I mm. think it would... It seems, it seems, I mean, you'd need to be in the position to yourself to know how you would behave, but I would like to think I would own up to something like that yeah. as I did. Yeah. And it's, and it's also, as the, the judge said in her remarks, you know, the sentencing and, and that is dependent on somebody's amount of remorse and their willingness to fess up to things yeah. and say, you know, I accept, yes, I accept responsibility and that's yeah. what you want. And, um, but well done them for keeping their dignity and their poise yeah. and yeah. and and determination going yeah on. absolutely because i think you know a lot of a lot of families would you know i don't know how they find the, the strength to do it and they've, yeah. they've had you know a good support network to do it and um i'm not i'm not in i can't report as an impartial journalist on this very well because my kids knew harry and they felt really keenly i think that sense of injustice you know they, that it's not right it is not right that mm. somebody like that with a country that is apparently one of our closest allies, you know, and the more responsibility somebody has in their position makes them more accountable. 
yeah. not less accountable. Of course it does. Really. So that's uh, yes, that's the thing. So that's happened in uh, sort of mid-December, and I think, you know, finally, finally they can think that they've they've got the justice that. Yeah, it's taken a deserved. year. Gosh. Yeah, it's taken a lot. Yes, yeah, taken a very very long time to get there. But yeah, finally they've done it. Um, part two of my column. On a more cheery note, in December I drove a Maserati Gran Turismo Folgore, which is an electric Maserati. Uh, and I've written about this, so I think there are a number of manufacturers whose USP is their engines, to an extent, to a greater or lesser extent, and Maserati is one of them. Sure. And the new Gran Turismo looks a bit like the old Gran Turismo, and there will be three versions. Two of them will have a V6 in various two states of tune, and one will be the really powerful um, electric one, 750 horsepower. So it does the acceleration that we know is uncomfortable. Yeah. 2.7 seconds to 60. Yeah, two-wheel uh, four-wheel drive, one electric motor at the front, two at the back. Can do amazing things because you can manipulate the speed. Oh, I read your story. Yeah, you, yeah, can you can manipulate the speed by which they react much more quickly than you can with a internally combusted engine you know you've got to wait for the turbos to spool up you've got to wait for the gearbox to be in the right gear you've got to be a, tell the differential what to do whereas all of this stuff happens within you know instance yeah in, in, with electric motors so from that point of view an inc a remarkable remarkable piece of kit but if you bought a maserati before and there are reasons you might not want to, you know, the Gran Turismo was big for a coupe and the Quattroporte might not be comfortable enough for a luxury car. And then you put your foot down and it would accelerate and the, the V8 would make that noise and you go, well, maybe it's all, it's all right. maybe it's all fine. Maybe it's all worth it. And a lot of the time driving, that's what you have. You don't worry about the, the, you know, the finest elements of handling and what's happening to electric motors here and there and the other. And I just it just strikes me, I enjoyed the Folgore a lot, uh, but I, I mean, I'm more intrigued to try one of the ones with an engine. Yeah. And there are a lot of manufacturers who have spent the last seven, eight decades or more saying you should definitely buy one of our cars because the engine is really special. Really special engine, definitely worth all the money. That's absolutely why you should have one. And then by the end of this decade, they've got to convince us that none of that matters anymore. No. I'm not sure it's guaranteed that they will all manage that. No, no, it's a, it's a tall order. Mm. Tell me this, this is the thing. When I read your story, I thought, I'm going to ask him a question. Here is the question. Did, if that car was pitched up at your place and it was going to be your smoker for the next couple of months, mm -hmm. would you like it? Would you, would you, do you think you would get on with it? Did, do you think you would enjoy it? I think I would, yeah. My driving that I do works more conveniently with a with an engine than on electric. Oh, because of range, do you mean? Because of range, yeah, really. I mean, charge. I can charge. I can charge at home, but I drive a lot of miles, and um, I have run. A, I have run an EV as my company car. Oh, you did, of course, you did. Uh, and it's and it's fine, but it's certainly easier. You know, the easiest car for me to get along with is a is a diesel with a hundred liter fuel tank. And uh, but I would enjoy it. Yeah, I would. I would enjoy it. It's a big car for me. It's five meters long, two meters wide which is pretty big. I don't need 750 horsepower in my life, particularly. No. Um, but it's a, it's a great-looking car. It's comfortable inside. It's, I would enjoy it, but I don't know if I'd enjoy it more than more, much more or less than 
a lot of other EVs. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't. It felt like a Maserati. Diff- oh, a different kind of Maserati. It felt like a Maserati, but a Maserati with no engine. I don't know how much of a loss yet that is. It was a prototype, and we need to tr- try the finished yeah. example, I think. When you look but, at the extremes, you know, Ferrari V12s and so on. Mm. I think what's a Ferrari V12 without the V12 going to be like? Well, I wonder, yeah. I don't know when we try the first full battery electric Ferrari. I don't think it's a million miles away. But that involvement and engagement... Oh, four, yeah, 24, I 24. think I saw. Yeah, that involvement and engagement with the with the sound feels like it could be critical, and I don't. There, these companies make money because we want the cars, not because we need them. It was interesting. I was talking to Matteo Rimac, mm. Rimats the other day, and he was he sees this electrification thing. You know, electrification of hypercars as a huge hurdle, and he's proud and pleased to have negotiated it already because he sees it as a huge problem for the people who just like you who who, as you explained sorry um, are selling you know IC engines on the noise and he feels that he's already climbed the hill and uh, is coming really? down the other side he's a, yeah. he believes he's about six years ahead of the rest hmm. and they've got a gigantic hurdle to to climb and the, what Rimat's cars are going to try and do forever is stay six years ahead of the great game. Hmm. And he was saying, when they're where I am now, I want to be six years ahead. But where the hell is that? You know, what? Yeah. And I, he says, maybe the, the car, the special car six years away is not, um, not even a hypercar. And he started talking about the Bugatti Royale, hmm. which was a huge saloon on 25-inch wheels and so on. And, in and the twenties, pure luxury. Yeah, be interesting to know how quiet you can make a car. Yeah, because the quietest thing, presumably, is a Rolls Royce Phantom on the road at the moment. I would guess, interior noise-wise. Yeah, I would have thought. I suppose. Yeah, and you can't really hear the engine very much in that, except for the occasions when they want you to. Mm. And then if you remove that entirely, that new Rolls Spectre would be interesting, yeah. I did see how quiet that is. That will be very Yeah, and maybe the special car becomes something that we don't, that doesn't exist today. Mm. In, the, in a fortune, you know, nobody is trying to do what the really special car will be in well, that 10 was, years. That, that's, there is one bloke in Croatia <laughs> trying to figure it out. Trying to figure it out. Is that the sort of thing uh, you suspect that Simon Saunders of Ariel is thinking about as well? Because they are not solely i get the impression he is not solely focused in his in his imaginings on sports cars no he he certainly thinks widely mm. i mean he's he was saying the other day that they make this motorbike called the ace which is a v4 at the moment but logically there'll be a an electric motorbike so he's he's definitely thinking down the road his he sees that ariel's mantra as being to go places where uh, big manufacturers don't have either the courage or the ability to go. They, they, mm. The courage because nobody will buy it, or very few people will buy it, and the ability because very few people will buy it. He, the, he, so he's looking at niches mm-hmm. very very carefully. Mm. But any kind of niche, yes, I believe. What do you want a car to do that they don't do today? Oh, God. Well... Are we on the faster horse? Yeah. Thinking if we're not careful. Yeah, we are. We are. We. I want. I want sort of big car, 
luxury. I want big car ride and refinement and all the rest of it, but I just want it in a little car. That I need this TARDIS effect. I need I need to have an absolutely optimal driving position in my little car. I need it to mm. ride like a Rolls Royce ghost, say, mm. and be that quiet, but to be the size of a, well, preferably a Renault 5, <laughs> but certainly a Renault Clio. Yeah, yeah. What is the closest to that? A Mini? I would say it was some form of Mini, yeah. I don't mm. know the entire Mini range. We have a, We own a Cooper S, but that's quite... I mean, even that's refined in some ways because it's, you can feel the rigidity and so on, but but uh, um, I just, I want something that, well, I would, you know, it's, it's a bit like a Bentley, but small. Mm. That If anybody can do that, be, I'll put my money down. Yeah, I, don't, I, I wish they would. I wish they would. I think I've... Really but the problem, I had this explained to me, the problem is is the laden and unladen condition. You, the, the, the trouble is, in, in, a, in your big car, if, you, if your big car weighs two and a half tonnes and you put um, four people in it, mm. the weight goes up by a fairly small percentage, so the spring rates and so on that you've chosen are pretty close to optimal anyway. And, by the way, you've probably got air suspension with three compartments and all that adjustability. In your little car, which weighs, you know, hopefully, a 1,000 kilograms, yeah. You put a bunch of people in it; it suddenly goes up to fifteen or something. Oh, interesting! And the and the suspension rates you've chosen for the unladen condition are useless for the yeah. for the laden condition. So, you need sophistication in your little package, which for which, under the circumstances we we live in, you can't charge much. Mm. So it's a problem. And all bit like that. Yeah, yeah, the actual engineering solution to it is not straightforward no no right. i think it, it is some sort of adjustability and mm. that's where the citroen gsa with its hydro pneumatic and its self-leveling and all, all those years ago mm. quite a small car was was a, a step along the way mm. i mean it was badly made and all the rest of it but it was a step along the way and you'll never sell enough of them because so many luxury cars are bought by people who take passengers and they want a lot of rear legroom and Yep. Yada, yada, yada. So the market for a true luxury small car makes it prohibitive to ever make a true luxury small and, car. And out there in car buying land, everybody sees a small car as a cheap car. Mm. So if you say, yes, it's small, but it's luxurious, they say, well, why doesn't it cost 15 grand? You know? Yeah, not 100. Why is it? Why is the something the size of a Mini 100? Why are you trying to sell me a £100,000 Mini? So there's quite oh, a... It's, it's, yeah. it's a brain stretcher, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. And I hadn't thought, it hadn't occurred to me that uh, suspension malarkey. But of course, you know, you notice it if you drive a, a pickup truck or a van, you know, put something in the back and suddenly it drives rather more nicely because it's meant to have the weight in the, yeah. in the back. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, uh, Okie dokie. I think we've probably got time for one more thing. Uh, so it is the and finally in your column or another thing, and another thing I think it's called in your column. You were talking about some door gizmos that widen oh, the car. I, this is, this is, all I'm doing is demonstrating that I am indeed an old fart. <laughs> but there's a, roundabout where I live, there are a few narrow streets, like everywhere in Britain. Hmm. And people park in them because they insist on parking geometrically perfectly outside their houses. Mm-hmm. And there are these plastic triangular things that they put on the side of the car that, yeah. that, um, protrude into the traffic and thereby 
make the road six inches narrower. <laughs> and, and it seems to me that, you know, or it's just so easy to park 25 yards mm. further back up the street where there's less of a problem or stick it in your driveway or something, you know, if you've got one. And by the time you've stopped, got out, put this thing on the door, shut the door, made sure it's in the right place and everything else, you could have walked the 20 yards if you'd parked better in the first place. Yeah, it's and, just you know, a... And if you've got to put it on the car, surely the road's not wide enough to park there. Yeah, it's a, it's a sort of... It's the old, I know my rights job. Mm. And I, I... The one thing, look, we, we're, we're in a, a heavily populated part of a heavily populated island, most of it anyway... Why don't we all just do things that allow us all to coexist rather than asserting ourselves all yeah. the damn time? I think uh, you might remember a few weeks ago I reported that somebody put a key down the side of our oh, Land Rover. And I, and I believe that's because it's parked on somebody's road who has decided it's, inverted commas, their road to park on. You know? And that's just, it's just my next step, which I may yet get round to, is to put a little motion sensor camera inside it because because nobody can do anything. You report it as a crime, and the police go, "Well, okay, somebody's killed your car. We're very sorry about that." And if you'd like some counselling about it, you can call this number. But what can they do realistically? Yeah, what? But uh, I don't know. I wonder if I put a little motion sensing camera inside it that's pointing outwards and park it on that street and wait for something to happen. Whether whether I could make something happen about it? Maybe I could. Maybe there could be some evidence to um, you know to to get somebody. Yeah. Bang to rights well, for it. Do, mate, but it? anyway, so if anybody has any advice on motion sensing cameras that are discreet and you know might catch somebody putting a key down the side of a defender, I'll be all ears. I think. So Fantastic. You, you can write to me uh, autocar at haymarket com on the email. That kind of brings us to the end of the first pod of twenty twenty three. Yeah. We're not doing too bad for an eight week run, are we, Steve? Yeah, not bad at all. We're enjoying it, aren't we? Yeah, lovely. Yeah, really good. Really enjoying it. Yeah, really enjoying it. And thank you very much for all of your correspondence, which we will have more of next week. In the meantime, you can find Autocar at autocar.co.uk. We're over on YouTube where there's a new video review pretty much every week, Um, sometimes more. I think the latest one, uh, Maserati Gran Turismo Folgore video, has gone up in the last few days. Uh, You can find Autocar on all the social channels, and it's still not too late to take out a subscription for a New Year's present, if not a Christmas present. You can find Autocart digitally or in print, as it has been every week since 1895. Steve, see you next week. See you next week, Matthew. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. ACAST and Befeder. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidesrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.